Hello and welcome to today's episode of Something to Crow About. The podcast is brought to you by your Canfield Fair Board, a volunteer group that oversees the Canfield Fairgrounds and, of course, works diligently every year to host this signature event of summer every year for 175 years, the Canfield Fair. I'm Tony Marr, Fair Fanatic, and your host of Something to Crow About. It's officially the 175th year of the Canfield Fair, and we cannot wait to see you all September 1st through the 6th, 2021. And of course, I'm super excited to have not one, but two queens with me today. Current 4-H queen, Sarah DeLucia, who has been with us before, and former 4-H queen, Don Dickey. Ladies, welcome to the show. Uh, so, oh, so oh, thank you for coming back. And, and, and for Don, um, for those listeners who might not be familiar with the 4-H royal court and the king and the queen crowning, can, can you give us kind of an overview of what that's like? I don't know how it is now, but sure. in 1975, there was application uh-huh. and then there was an interview process. And from that interview process and the application, they chose the court. Uh, the court in 1975 consisted of um, uh, five um, women and five men. And uh, at the fair, um, we had our ceremony in the grandstand. Uh, at the fair, someone was named Head, Heart, Hands, and Health, which were the four things yeah. of 4-H. And then there was a king and queen. And um, uh, they were from all over the, the county. Um, and I was a little bit different because most of the court was um, animal-based and I was home act based So it was kind of a surprise because most kings and queens and court altogether yeah, sure. are, are from um, the animal side of 4-H. Huh. That's interesting. And, and, and Sarah, I mean, is the, is it kind of like that same process now? Oh yeah. It's still an application interview process. The sad thing is we don't have as many boys trying out for it. We only had two boys this year, so they had a 50, 50 chance. um, We, we don't do the head, hearts, hands and health um, at our ceremony, but we do the outstanding youth. And so we have a boy and a girl and we get more boys for that. I think we have like six boys for that. And then we have a couple of girls too. So it's a little bit different, but it's, it's still pretty much the same. And and speaking of outstanding youth, I mean, you are the current 4-H queen, but you're also the outstanding youth. So, so what does that signify? And are you the first queen to receive both honors simultaneously? No, I'm the second one to do it. And um, the, a lot of people don't know the difference between the two, but Outstanding sure. Youth is about the seven youth organizations. So it's not just 4-H and it's not just FFA. So I'm in Girl Scouts and I'm in 4-H. And then the boy that won it, he's in Grange, uh, 4-H and Boy Scouts. And they want a well-rounded person. And the application is pretty much the same thing. But in your interview, you only get one question, which is a little bit harder if you think about it. <laughs> One question that you can mess up, but no, I'm not the first to do it, but I'm the second to do it. And I was shocked because I didn't even know that there was a person before me that ever did it. So it's pretty cool. Okay. That's awesome. 
And, you know, I mean, both of your years, you know, as 4-H queens, I mean, they differ um, very much so. I mean, <laughs> Sarah, you're the first 4-H queen during COVID. So so tell me, tell me, you know, a little bit about your 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 time as a 4-H queen. Um, it's hard, but it's also unique at the same time. It's hard because some opportunities are canceled out because of COVID, which is totally understandable sure. with health. But um, but looking at it in a positive way, I get a lot of unique experiences because I'm able to have a closer bond with other queens because they're going through the same thing that I'm going through. Um, but I'm not really trying to focus on things that I missed out on. I'm just trying to focus on all the things that we'll have open to us. So I know that there's going to be a 4th of July parade, but it's going to be a little bit different. And then we're going to, fairs are starting to open up. So we're going to go and um, go visit the fair. So it's, it's a little different, but it's, it's kind of the same thing. Yeah. And Don, same question to you. I mean, you were, you were the 4-H queen in 1975, but um, <laughs> so, so, so tell me about your time as a 4-H queen. Um, the 4-H uh, king and queen were not nearly as active in okay. 1975 as they are now. We were basically the queen of our fair. Um, we were, we never traveled from fair to fair to meet other queens. Uh, there was no competition at the uh, state level uh, for the queens. Um, basically, I was asked to um, be at the fair every day, which was hard because I was in college at the time. Sure. and. Um, uh, wear my crown and I they asked me to wear a long dress every day and my sash and so I you know um, tromped around the fair in uh, ten <laughs> tennis shoes and and a long dress because it was a rather rainy affair that year yeah. and um, uh, visited different concessionaires went to the uh, animal barns um, you know showed up for awards Hand, help hand out awards and that kind of stuff. But at the end of the fair, my next obligation was to crown the new queen the next year. So there was none of that during the year stuff that they do now. The opportunities now are tremendous compared to, you know, it was just um, just a, uh, an, an honor to, to be crowned the queen. And that was pretty much it. Sure. And, you know, obviously I've never been 4-H queen, but so you two have experienced it. And I'm sure that each of you knows a lot more about this than I do. So uh, do you have any questions for each other that, that we can talk about? I mean, something that kind of delves into the meaning of the 4-H queen and everything that you do. Um, I have a question. Yes. What, what kind of made you want to be queen? Because I, I know a lot of girls, they, they either want it for because they love 4-H or they love our fair but what was like your reason for doing it? I was at the end of my 4-H career, 4-H um, member career. Uh, I've since had a 4-H group that I was the leader of and that kind of stuff but um, it was kind of the pinnacle. Um, one of the other girls um, in our group that was several years older than me was the 4-H queen. And I, you know, looked up to her. Uh, she made fabulous clothes and uh, won awards on the state level with her sewing. And I kind of wanted to follow in her footsteps. So 
that made me fill out that application. Um, <laughs> when I went for my interview, um, I was on court twice. Two years before I was queen, I was, um, uh, I was on court and I went for my interview at one specific place where they had the 4-H offices. When I went back for my second interview, the 4-H offices had changed location. So I went to the first place <laughs> and there was no one there. And so I had to call and they said, oh, we've moved. So I was late for my interview, but um, apparently um, uh, I answered the questions in a good way um, and was chosen. But um, uh, that was just like the pinnacle of my 4-H career. And you, same question? Um, it's <laughs> the same thing too. Um, I remember when I first started 4-H, I saw the girls up on stage and I, I wanted to know what it was about because I had no idea. And then when I got extremely involved in 4-H and junior fair board, um, I really wanted to be um, advocating for our fair because I love our fair. And I wanted to meet other people that love 4-H just as much as I do and be surrounded by those type of people. And so when I was on court for one year and then the next year I got queen and I, I would cry randomly <laughs> after my interview, I'd cry, I'd be in the kitchen crying. And my mom would say, why are you crying? And I'm like, I just really want to be queen. I just really <laughs> want to show people what our fair is truly about and what 4-H is about because people don't know what it's about really. Uh, a lot of people just think it's about animals, but like you said, you were a small project base and a lot of people don't know that. And so I would cry randomly. And so after I got crowned, I was so excited and so thrilled that I was able to um, be that person that um, I looked up to when I was younger. So that's, that's what I um, wanted to do. Awesome. Now I have a question for you, Sarah. Um, in your year of, and I know it's COVID uh, um, um, made, um, it seems like that 4-H is really big in our county, in the agricultural counties. But when it comes to 4-H um, groups in the city, um, there just doesn't seem to be very many. As queen, did you do anything to uh, get the word about 4-H out to the uh, uh, city kids um i'm actually a 4-h club that uh only has pretty much oh, city kids because they give it's yeah so it's a llama club and um we don't have to own the llamas so we show up to the farm and we work with them so a lot of kids don't know what 4-h is about and so i was able to tell them about it and after they saw me with my crown and sash with the cowboy hat then they were really kind of asking me what it was about and then just going to things like the taste of the fair um, right. I was able to talk to little kids and talk to other people. I know someone, um, one of the moms said to me, well, we don't have a farm. And so I was like, oh, that's okay. You don't need a farm. Like there's, you could do robotics. You could show a fish at our fair. So I have um, gone out and talked to people about it. I wanted to do more. I wanted to do more in schools, but obviously schools were right. Thing right. Of COVID, sure. But I've definitely talked to other people and tried to influence them because it just does, doesn't seem like the, the city folk 
understand that you don't need the farm and that there are projects besides animal projects. Um, you know, my, my 4-H group was just sewing. We, we only did sewing projects. So when I became a leader, uh, when, my, when my daughters were uh, 4-H age, I was, my eyes were open to the number of projects outside of sewing and cooking. I mean, I had a daughter that took uh, photography and um, uh, um, home decorating. Uh, she redecorated her bedroom. I had a daughter that uh, took an insect project um, all the way to the state and uh, learned the Latin names for all the insects. Wow. Um, she was like in, in, in sixth grade and rattled off all of this. I just had no idea. And, and like you said, the robotics and the rocketry. Um, uh, and uh, so when I see the number of 4-H groups decreasing in our county, I am saddened because there's just so much there that um, kids today could could learn and um, summer projects to keep them busy. Um, so I'm glad that that your group is city-based and you've been able to encourage kids to do that. That's great. Oh, thanks. And a lot of people don't realize that 4-H gives you life skills. Like you can take a right. laundry project and mm -hmm. before I've never even done laundry. And so that project really <laughs> helped me or cooking. And I just think that it's really unique that 4-H has all these experiences. And like our fair is one of the only fairs that lets you show a fish and right. which is That's so awesome. cool. And you talk to some people are like, oh, it's a fish. But when you talk to other kids that want to be in 4-H and they want to do an animal, it's still something and you're still learning how to take care of it, even though it's a little bit right. different than taking care of a cow or horse. But it's still it's really cool, and really unique just to show people what it's about. That's great. That's great. Yeah, and I think, uh, you know, that those are great points. I mean, that just kind of opens up 4-H to a lot more people. And because like you both said, it's, you know, that that mentality that, oh, it's just about farm animals, but it goes way beyond that. And I think, you know, getting involved in the schools and letting people know more about everything you could do with 4-H, I think that would just open it up and there'd be a lot more people involved because it's such a great program. Well, and, and, and even, even the... Um like the, the uh, several of the people in, on, that were on court when I was on court are still involved in the fair. Uh, the king that was, uh, when I was um, the queen, uh, works in the arts and crafts, or I'm sorry, the fine arts building every year at the fair. He's an artist and um, does um, a lot of projects in the arts and crafts building, but he mans the building in the yeah. fine arts. And Steve Moff was on court with me, and he's actually a fair board member. Um, so um, being in 4-H is something that can go on a lifetime sure. of learning and um, helping other kids learn more. I think Steve has a 4-H group now. Um, I know I had one when my kids were, were in 4-H age, and... Uh, so it just, you can just keep going. Yeah, and, and, and Don, for you, I mean, your, your husband, Dave, he's a former president of the board. So, right. I mean, mm -hmm. uh, for you, like, 
I mean, how did your time at, in 4-H and the 4-H Queen kind of, you know, help out, you know, even generate ideas for the fair? Because you had the Miles of Smiles, which was amazing. Uh, <laughs> so, I mean, tell me, how, how, how did that, you know, how does that work out? Well, when, um, when I started, I mean, I'm a lifelong fair goer. Um, well, as we all are. As yeah, we all right. are. Uh, I remember when I was a kid, um, my mom and my aunt would take my cousins and, and my brother and sister and I to the fair. And we were each given $5 and that was to last all day till supper time. <laughs> sure. when, when we met my dad for supper at the Greenford Ruritan tent. And I stayed in one little section of the fair, you know, my favorite ride, my favorite food and the 4-H, the um, the sewing small groups or small mm -hmm. projects 4-H building. Um, I think it's building number 25. So when I was queen, I was able to go all over the fair to places that I hadn't explored much yeah. because I was young and was afraid to go out, out of those, just that circle where I stayed. So I was um, in the in the animal barns and um, underneath the fairgrounds and up at the commercial buildings and in Western Reserve Village and all those places that I really hadn't been a part of before, I did it as queen. And then um, when my husband came, became the fair board, a fair board member, he also grew up in the fair. Mm -hmm. And so we were just able to, you know, start right in with both feet both boots on the ground and right. um, he, he works concessions so it's all over the fair um uh, i was able to put input into what i thought when he was president um you know what i thought we could use as themes and and how to implement the themes that he came up with and um so it was just a, like a continuation, yeah. um, the fair, the being the queen just added to my um, background of the actual fair and the fairgrounds and the people in it. Yeah, and it's always, you know, I mean, everyone's a lifelong member of the fair. Everyone sure. that sure. loves the Canfield Fair is definitely a lifelong member. Um, I, I do want to stop here for today because there is so much that we still have to get to. And, you know, it, it's going to be so good that we need to break it up into two parts. So <laughs> so thank you both, Don Dickey and Sarah DeLucia. Um, and everyone, we will see you right back here next Tuesday as we talk to our 4-H queens. Um, and today's podcast is brought to you by your Canfield Fair Board. And we will see you right here next week on Something to Crow About. Have a great week, everyone. <laughs>